It's Monday night, it's 8 o'clock, and it's Health Watch Radio. I'm your host every week, Dr. Jacques Dweck. Tonight we have a special guest, Solomon Rosenberg. He is a Hatzalah member for more than 20 years. He's on staff at Montefiore Medical, but we're not going to talk about that. Because really what we're here to talk about is a lot to do with emergencies. And first, I'll just turn it over to you, uh, Mr. Rosenberg. Tell us about your background, if you would. Well, I'm in Hatzalah for over 20 years. I'm a paramedic. I was a teacher principal in the yeshiva for 16 years. I was in business. And now I'm part of the hospital administration at Mount Tefure Medical Center. Okay, great. So your interest in community awareness regarding these medical issues, what's the main question that they feel there is a confusion about? So being that over the years uh, I've been frustrated by coming to Hatzalah calls or being called into different medical situations, and I realized that had people been aware earlier that this is urgent or this needs to be dealt with immediately, we probably could have saved lives and uh, many people could have had longer and better lives had the people around them or they themselves known that this is something that, that's an immediate emergency. So, so you mean to say that a lot of times people don't realize how quickly they have to respond to a situation. So that's the million-dollar question. Something is going on, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, I'm not sure. Is this an emergency or is this something that I'm overreacting to and this can really wait till tomorrow? You know, we have children at home and they say, I have a little boo-boo. They say, okay, go to sleep and in the morning you let me know how you feel. So when, when is this proper and when must you respond and some things need a quicker response and some things are wait and see you know it's interesting because you see a lot of times you have a husband and a wife and the wife is very excitable and she's n nervous about this well what happened what happened and the husband is laid back and you know and sometimes it's good to be laid back but sometimes the wife is right and getting a little excited at the right time and taking action is really the way to go so the truth is that, that neither is correct because <laughs> you need to have knowledge. Now, that's, that's my goal here, and I go around giving lectures and speeches to children and adults and different people in the community just basically to tell them what to look out for and to try to become somewhat of an expert of certain signs, and then they'll, it'll like hit a button and say, oh, I remember, this is an emergency. So, so start with adults, and then we'll go into children. Okay. <coughs> um, so, the the real the real question is: Is this something that can wait? And um, I divide it into a couple of groups. There's a heart attack. Now we all know that time is muscle. As the heart attack continues. Uh, the person's muscle, the heart muscle that's supposed to pump for the rest of his life every second is being damaged. And if you um, keep blood from flowing there for enough time, a whole section of his heart will be damaged. And at the beginning, it's reversible. You just um, reintroduce the blood flow to that part of the heart. 
and they'll be fine. And they won't even have any visible damage to their heart muscle. If you wait long enough, as time goes on, the muscle, the dead muscle, goes deeper through the thickness of the heart, and it also expands wider into a bigger section of the heart. And, you know, when the heart doesn't pump properly, it causes problems throughout the entire body. So one of these issues is, <coughs> excuse me again, is the heart. And we'll discuss in a minute about what the signs and symptoms are to look out for. Another one is a stroke. A stroke is... Uh, some part of the brain is not being perfused, it's not getting enough oxygen, either through a bleed or through a blockage, and sometimes chalila through a tumor. And um, one of our um, uh, neurologists recently told me that when someone's having a stroke, each minute is a thousand, uh, 1,000 brain cells. So you can just imagine as they're sitting and waiting and deciding whether they should go or they should wait till after the simcha or till tomorrow, this per poor person is killing off a thousand brain cells every minute. Wow. wow. Another one is an internal bleed. The poor person is bleeding and losing blood in the body. He doesn't know about it from the outside. And at a certain point, point, it's going to be very difficult to replenish and to quickly uh, uh, get, get his um, amount of circulation that he needs back quickly enough. Another one, so these are issues <coughs> that don't have enough time to wait and see, you know, because sometimes you want to be normal and calm about something. You say, let's wait and see what happens. Well, meanwhile, while you're waiting to see what happens, you're causing more damage. People have um, fluid in their lungs, CHF, congestive heart failure. Uh, basically, what's happening is that the heart is not beating strong enough, and some of the fluid is backing up into their lungs, literally drowning them. Now, at the beginning, it's just there at the end of the end parts of the lung, just for simplicity we'll call it that, and with a couple of pills or a little bit of time in the hospital, we can reverse that and the person will be fine. But if you sit and wait and then they come into full pulmonary edema, their, their lungs are fully flooded and sometimes you can't reverse it. Uh, then there's the famous, uh, we're going to devote uh, a whole section of this discussion to pneumonia, flu, and sepsis. Uh, there's a lot going on in the community, and that should be discussed. So these are the major, um, there are some other things that are true emergencies, but these are the most common um, emergencies that people tend to delay and really they should have acted on immediately. So, so the first thing that comes to mind when I think about all of these things is that in order to know what to do, you need a diagnosis. In order to make a diagnosis, well, if you're not a doctor, what are you supposed to do at that point? So that's why we have <coughs> a list of signs and symptoms okay. that everybody can look out for. And when you see such a thing on someone or on yourself or on a loved one, you, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll ring your memory that, oh, I heard somebody speak about this. 
So let's just discuss what are the signs and symptoms of a heart attack. Those are most common, and you'll be surprised. There are some subtle symptoms that people are not very aware of. The most obvious is chest pain. Chest pain is any discomfort in the chest, literally from the upper part of the stomach all the way up to a person's jaws. There are some people that have only jaw pain, and it goes to the ears, and they go to the dentist, and then they find out that they're really having a heart attack. So let's just describe the different types of chest pain. It's a stabbing feeling anywhere on the chest. Crushing, people describe it as, I feel like, crushing pain. There's a burning, and they think that they're really having indigestion. Many people die with antacids in their hand because they thought they're having um, heartburn. Some people describe it as heaviness in their chest. Or very often we have that someone says, I don't have chest pain, I just have a sensation. I feel something in my chest. I don't usually feel it there, and now I feel it. Uh, so it's a variety of different sensations. By the way, women have heart attacks without chest pain quite often. So they need to rely and pay attention more to the other signs and symptoms. Another common sign of a heart attack, which could be many other things as well, is simple shortness of breath. The guy, people notice that somebody in the family, he's, uh, he, when he walks, he's short of breath, and it's not common, you know, it's not usual for this person. Um, or a person says he feels, or you see that the person is breathing much quicker than usual, that can be the only sign that he's really having a heart attack. And as I told you, part of congestive heart failure is that the, the lungs get filled with, with fluid, um, there's also just the color. We have experience at solar people. And by the way, I just want to do a disclaimer here. I'm not speaking as a hot solar member or as a hospital person. This is just my own experiences on emergency calls. And we appreciate it. If you just joined us, it's Health Watch Radio. Our special guest tonight is Mr. Salman Rosenberg. He is sharing with us some very important insights and Right now, what we're talking about is the signs and symptoms that everybody should be looking out for, and we've been talking a little bit about heart attack, stroke, internal bleeding, fluid in the lungs, pneumonia, flu and sepsis. Those are some of the things that should not wait. Well, how do we know what we're supposed to do if we're in this situation? He's describing to us the signs and symptoms. Right now, we're talking about heart attack, and uh, Mr. Rosenberg started out with discussion of chest pain and how it could be stabbing, crushing, burning, uh, heaviness, I feel like something in the chest, uh, and the fact that women often don't even have any chest pain and they're having a heart attack. The second thing that he mentioned was shortness of breath or breathing quicker, and the third thing is color. I turn it back over to you, Mr. Rosenberg. So people that are having a heart attack, as I started to say, the there are some hot solar people, they walk into a house, and I'm I'm trying to get to that stage. It just comes from a lot of experience. And you look at a person's face and you say, this person has that ashen look to him. And when you see it a couple of times, it becomes like one of those identifiers. It doesn't always happen. Some people look fine while they're having a heart attack, but very often they have an ashen look to them, sort of like a grayish look to the person and the, and the color and the pinkness of his whole skin is is gone and if if the, and you turn around to people and the family members and they and you ask them is this his normal color and they're shaking their head then you know let's run um, also there's a weird feeling of doom 
people <coughs> um, sometimes feel like something bad is happening. And I can't just say this in general, that, that any time someone feels that, they should run to the hospital. But in the bigger picture, this is sometimes part of the, part of the signs and symptoms. People get nauseous. They get sweaty. Uh, palpitations is sometimes, very often, a sign of a heart attack. And the only way that it was coming out was that he's having some real weird dysrhythmia. His heart is not beating in the normal pattern that it should be beating, and that is how it's manifesting, and that's how it's showing up. Uh, fainting. You know, nobody faints for nothing. And sometimes it's for a reason that's not serious. He heard something, he was grossed out by something, he saw something, he heard something. But if you don't have one of those excuses, a real good excuse for fainting, it's not for nothing, whether it's a child or it's an adult. And this is just another off the subject, in the subject, that fainting is something that needs immediate attention. You call Hatzalah immediately for someone that fainted. Of course, if someone stuck themselves with an, a pin or something and they fainted, then then you can know what it was about. But just simple, oh, I just fainted, but I'm fine now, is not fine until proven otherwise. It can be many things, as you'll see. It can be a heart attack. Uh, let's <coughs> just go over to that CHF that I mentioned earlier, which is something that if you deal with it earlier, you know, we come to our calls, and the people say, you know, for the past four days, he's having trouble breathing and his uh, feet have been swelling, which is another sign that the fluid is backing up into, into his body. His hands are a little swollen. He's having some shortness of breath, but now look at him. He's blue and he can't catch his breath. My friend, had you called me four days ago and you would have gone to the doctor or to the hospital, he wouldn't have gotten to this um, situation and you could have saved his life or made things much simpler. So what are the signs of CHF? Again, let's d let our listeners know that CHF is congestive heart failure. And basically what's happening there is the fluid is building up. It's backing up into the lungs because the heart is failing. It's not doing the job that it's supposed to be doing. So um, um, shortness of breath, quick breathing, um, swelling in the ankles, more than usual or a new onset of it, um, even the face and the fingers, any, you know, the distal, the, the, the limbs of the person get, get swollen or somewhat heavier, and those are all signs that the person has a fluid problem. It's easy to fix when it's at the beginning stages and it gets much more complicated. Let's go to, um, uh, I'm looking at my list here, it's called CVA, which really means a stroke. So I'm going to put together the words stroke and tumors because we never know in the beginning what it is and we see it quite often where everybody thought the person's having a stroke and really it was a tumor or vice versa. So as I mentioned earlier, once a person is having a stroke, there's a thousand cells in his brain dying every minute, which should scare you quite a bit, and it should make you think, wow, let's save as much as we could as quick as possible. There's another problem with a stroke that there's a window. In other words, within the first few hours, it used to be two hours, now they're extending it to about three or three and a half hours, that you can reverse it with clot busters. They take a, a CAT scan of the brain and they see that there's something blocking there. And the first few hours they can give you a pill 
or an IV, and it'll literally break up the clot, and it'll allow circulation to return to that part of the brain, and the person can very often um, be discharged without any brain damage. After these few hours, uh, what happens is the risk of bleeding from that medicine increases, and they can't give that medicine. And it's very difficult to watch when you come to a call or someone calls you and you say, what's going on? And they say, well, my mother or my father or whoever is having these signs. And I say, since when? He says, oh, it started last night. We noticed it, and he figured he'll go to sleep. By now, there's nothing that can be done just to wait and hope, and they do some stuff, but it's, it's, there's not a, 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 too many things that can be done to reverse it. In the first few hours that you see something is happening, they go to the hospital, they could reverse it, and the person is fine after that. Again, where you're talking about is a, a clot that is in the brain as opposed to a bleeding stroke. And they cannot find out whether it's a bleed or a clot until they do a CAT scan or an MRI or both. So they need to go to the hospital, and the hospital will, will determine that. And it's a pleasure to see people that come in with deficits. They couldn't move their hands, and they couldn't speak properly. And they walk out of the hospital a bit later, you know, a couple of days, and they're fine back to, back to where they were. I'll never forget... Uh, uh, a, a young person, you know, I have to change the, the details a bit because I don't want to give out any information, but this happened a good few years ago. They came knocking to my door um, that uh, it was on Shabbos, so they didn't want to uh, be Mahal Shabbos, so they waited. The grandfather, a young man, uh, got up in the morning and he felt weakness on one side. And he decided he's going to go to shul. He went to mikvah. He went to daven. He did. Uh, he was mavasedra. He ate the meal, and after the meal, he said, "You know, still didn't get better." And uh, someone go get Mr. Rosenberg. He lives close by. Well, they came to me. I came to his house. He was having a regular stroke, and uh, I remember seeing him a long time after that with a limp. And I knew in my heart that had this been dealt with right away in the morning, probably he would have been left without a deficit. You know, I'm not the Rebbeinu Shalom to make decisions about what could have happened, but, but when, when the Rebbeinu Shalom gives you signs and he shows you that this thing is happening now, I believe that that's the reason why we're having this sign, whether it's chest pain or it's uh, some kind of deficit. So let's quickly go through the signs of a uh, stroke. <coughs> and there are many. A person is confused. That's all it is. He's confused, and it's not usual for this person to be confused. That is enough of a reason to think that he's beginning a stroke now, and we should act immediately. And most of the time, people say, nah, it was a minute. I was just confused for a minute. Don't accept people's, you know, and then he's going to be upset with us, and he's not going to be happy, and I'm afraid of my husband. You know, if it's a wife, she says, he didn't let me call Hatzalah. Don't worry, you'll, you'll, you'll work out the disagreement <laughs> later. First deal with, with the Pekuach Nefesh. Pekuach Nefesh is Doich Shabbos, it's Doich Yom Kippur, it's Doich Shalom Bayis, and it's Doich Kibbutz It's the most important thing, and that's what your focus should be. Anyway, back to the signs and symptoms. Confusion. Uh, the obvious is if somebody's unresponsive, all of a sudden, even for a few minutes, they're not responding to you. And even if they come out of it afterwards, that is a strong sign of, of a stroke. 
the person is sleeping longer than usual and we're trying to wake him up. He's usually up at 6 o'clock. It's already 9 o'clock. He's not waking up. We, you know, he's breathing. We see he's alive. Maybe he's very tired. It's not good enough. You have to wake him up. And if you really can't wake the person up, call Hatzalah immediately. A person is falling. No other signs. Just that he's falling and there's no good explanation. He didn't trip. He just fell. You know, he says, I, I lost my balance. But it's unusual for the person. It's a sign of a stroke. Uh, obviously, weakness on one side. As you know, everybody knows that that's um, the most common um, signs of a stroke. Uh, droopy lips. You look at the person, you tell them to smile, and one side is just not following along with the smile, or the eye is like drooped on one side. That's a very strong sign. Slurred speech is very common. Or the person's trying to say something and he can't say. Severe headaches, which is very tricky because people have headaches all their lives. But when someone has a bad headache and the, the famous quote of a bad headache is, this is the worst headache that I've ever had in my life. When a person says that or feels that, that needs immediate medical uh, attention. Alea Shalom, that's what happened with my mother when she had her stroke and... Unfortunately, she passed away, but she had a stroke. She had a terribly bad headache, and she then fainted, and she was having a bleeding stroke. She had been taking Coumadin. It made her system... They, they were giving her Coumadin to prevent the stroke. And she ended up, because of the Coumadin, she just bled into a stroke. So that does definitely happen. Uh, that's not to scare people from taking Coumadin, because the right. alternative is, is worse. Um, oh, people having a seizure that they don't have a history of seizures. People that have a history of seizures is nishgeferlich. But uh, people that don't have a history and suddenly they have some uh, um, uncontrollable movements with their head, body, mouth, or any part of their body, that is a strong sign of a stroke or a tumor or a bleed. Uh, fainting, as we mentioned before, fainting is a very common, sometimes the only sign was the person fainted. And it ended up being that there's something beginning in his brain. Uh, I've had uh, people crashing their vehicle, and they couldn't explain why they crashed. They just, uh, I don't know, I, my car just went there. And it was a young person in the middle of Borough Park having a stroke. Um, so here are, I'm sure I might have missed some, but when, when these, the reason we're speaking about this is because when you see that, you have to remember what we were discussing here. And you have to be vigilant and say, we're going to the hospital. We're calling and we're leaving now. And, and waiting an hour or two can make a very big difference whether you're able to help the person or not. If you just joined us, again, we're listening to uh, Mr. Salman Rosenberg share with us his experience as a Hatzalah for over <coughs> 20 years member. And we're talking about what we need to know in terms of signs and symptoms of very serious things that need us to take immediate attention that we shouldn't watch and wait. We started off talking about heart attacks and the signs and symptoms of heart attacks, and we just now were discussing strokes or tumors, something in the brain. Some of the ones, that we'll, I'll just go over them quickly, that he mentioned were when the person is acting confused, that is something that needs immediate action, uh, unresponsive, even if they come out of it, if they're unresponsive for a period of time and then they come out of it, that doesn't mean that it's th that you shouldn't take action. 
uh, sleeping longer than usual. They usually get up at 6. Now it's 9 o'clock. They're not getting up. Falling weakness on one side of the body, as we all have thought that that was the main sign, but that's not the only sign. Drooping of the lips, the eyes, slurring of the speech, severe headaches, uh, a, a seizure when they don't usually get seizures, fainting, crashing in a, in a car accident, even a small car accident that normally that they can't explain how that happened. All of these things could be a stroke or a tumor in the brain. So let's go on. So um, there's something called hypoxia. Hypoxia means that your, your body, different parts of your body are not getting enough oxygen. So um, if you see somebody that looks bluish, they don't look good, their lips don't look right, and you see they're struggling to breathe, we're not going to get into the symptoms of what this means, but it's something, just as a general rule, someone that's having difficulty in breathing, whether it's a child or they're sick, and even if you know what their illness is, no one should be at home while they're having, when they're struggling to breathe. And it doesn't mean like they can't catch their breath, but you see that they're it's an effort on them to breathe. That's a reason just to call Hatsola and not to wait and say, oh, it'll get better. It'll get better, so you went for nothing. I mean, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you called Hatsola and you went to the hospital and they told you it's nothing. I think it's the best thing that can happen to you that they right. told you it's nothing. And people are so worried about going for no reason. It's a pretty good thing. So what are the signs of somebody having difficulty in breathing? You count how quickly they're breathing. And it's very easy, especially when someone's struggling to breathe, you can see their chest or their stomach rise. With children, you can see it. Now, an average person should be breathing between 12 and 20, just about. When you see somebody, an adult, that's breathing 30 or 40 times a minute, that tells you that they're having a hard time to breathe, even though from the outside it doesn't look like they're having a hard time, but the only thing is that they're breathing quickly. That is enough of a sign of something going on with them. Um, if you see the color on the face is not good, along with difficulty breathing, that's even a, more of a sign that you really better hurry up. And if you hear somebody's breathing um, because they're wheezing or they're croaking or whatever it is, a noisy breathing is something that needs to be checked out immediately. I mean, uh, give it a couple of minutes, but it usually doesn't get better and you need to go into the hospital. It can be many things in children and adults, and we're not going to get into it. <coughs> An internal bleed, as I mentioned earlier, because I've seen a couple of these cases, I think it's worth to mention. It's not that common, but it happens often, and people will tell me that they noticed that they were vomiting. There are two <coughs> very uh, strong signs of an internal bleed. One of them is that a person is vomiting and it looks like coffee grinds, like the pieces of when you do a brewed coffee, and it's very distinct. You can really see it, and when you see it, you say, oh, that really looks like coffee grinds. When you see it, you know for sure that that's what it is, and that's a sign of internal bleeding. Or if someone has a very black stool, is also a sign of internal bleeding, and I've had people that were fainting in shul one Friday night, and when we asked the family what's going on, he says, no, he's been feeling weak for a few days, and he had some stomach aches, and when you asked him anything about, yeah, he had a black stool, but, you know, we weren't worried about it. That's a strong sign, and the Rabbi Nishalim was sending you a sign that something is going on inside, and you need to respond to it. 
because there are tests and they need to take blood work and see where their blood levels are up to. And uh, sometimes it must be corrected very quickly. And if it's not corrected quickly enough, it's life-threatening. So it's just something that I want to uh, mention. And then there are obstructions, stomach obstructions, that people just see that they can't hold down anything. The second they take any food in, they just vomit it out and they have pain in their stomach. So let's go to pain just in the same subject. Any pain that a person has in an unusual place or it's an unusual pain needs immediate attention. I think it's just a, a good general rule. I mean, people have stomach aches all the time, and they know it's a stomach ache. I'm in digestion, and because that's the same type of stomach ache that they always have when they have a stomach problem. But if it's in another part of your body that doesn't usually have pain, and you never had pain there, you should pay attention to it, and it could be very serious. It could be an obstruction. It could be many different things that need attention. Um, and that, and all these things that we mentioned, by the way deserve Chil Shabbos. It's not Chil Shabbos, it's uh, Kedusha Shabbos. I saw on a Sefer that it says, Haroitze l'Kadesh es HaShabbos yechalalehu al pikuach nefesh. It's one mm. of the ways of being Mekadesh Shabbos is to do what the Torah wants you to do. You know, the, the, the Torah is very strict. The Shulchan Aruch is extremely strict about Hilcha Shabbos. Even the slightest um, Isser is looked at in a very strong way. There's one part of Shabbos that the Torah, the Halacha tells you, do not hesitate. Don't even think. And whoever starts making cheshbonis, should we wait till after Shabbos? Should I not wait? The Shulchan Aruch says very clearly, is considered someone who's, uh, who's a murderer because he's thinking. So the same Shulchan Aruch that's so strict about Shabbos has so many simonim, has very clear directions. Do not even hesitate. And the many halachas in Shabbos, clearly tell you do not hesitate. Another example would be um, if 10 people ran to an emergency, Shulchan Aruch says they should not feel bad. They all will get schar. In other words, don't think, well, maybe someone else is also running to the same emergency. You know, people always criticize. I saw so many Hatzalah cars at this one call. So people don't understand that sometimes it's two first responders, and then there's two paramedics, and then people came with the ambulance. So it looks like a lot of people, but, you know, it's just the normal, the normal response. But I'm just saying in general, the halacha says do not hesitate. Another way is that we have that you're allowed to go back from the emergency because we don't want you to make cheshbonis. Oh, if I go to this emergency, how will I get home? So the Shulchan Aruch says, don't worry, you can even go home. Why? Because we don't want you to hesitate. So again and again and again, we see from halacha that it's forbidden to hesitate and to make cheshbonis and to make calculations of, is this right, is it not right? If you're not sure, suffolk pekuach nefesh and just go for it. Beautiful. Um, so here's another, you know, I think we're running out of time. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have time to discuss the children because it's a whole, it's, uh, there's okay, a lot that, to discuss. That'll be for another show. But <laughs> I think there's uh, a lot going on in the community now with um, flu, uh, pneumonia, unfortunately. Uh, way too many people uh, have passed away in the past uh, month or so in our area due to what they call flu, pneumonia, and you hear people <coughs> that don't even know what to call it. And it happens so quickly that 
one day the person is here and uh, two days later they're just not here and it's young healthy people it's very scary and uh, many people are asking questions about it I don't consider myself an authority uh, I'm not a physician but from the little bit of research and experience that I've had there are some there are some things that that I think I know and don't hold me to it but I think it's worth to speak about first of all I've discussed this with some physicians there is no real way to know in advance whether this is going to be the bad flu or the good flu. And it doesn't mean that everybody should worry when they, you know, I myself, I'm hoarse now, which is one of the signs of flu. I'm hoarse like this for two, three weeks. But um, it doesn't mean that anybody should be running to the hospital because generally everybody's going to be okay. There are a few exceptions out of thousands and thousands. It's not so simple because I was reading up on it. There are 200,000 people every year that get sick in the United States from flu. 24,000 every year die from flu. So they are big numbers, but so many more people are sick compared to the amount of people that, that unfortunately passed away from it. So, so here are a couple of signs and symptoms. Um, the, but in, that that statistic is more than ten percent of people that get flu die. Yeah, and you know I I need to recheck it. I I looked it up last night and uh, it was late at night. I think I got those numbers right. I saw them twice. I wow. need to double check it. But I I think you know if you'll Google it, that that number will would come up, uh, which is a scary number. So it's not like people say, oh, we never heard about it and it never happened. It has been happening, and unfortunately it happened in our community uh, in a short period of time, quite a few times. So here's a, a couple of signs and symptoms that are specific to a bad flu. And, and I want to just say again, you don't know about this beforehand. So there's no way to like really look out and say, oh, the doctor, they were at the doc. Most of these cases were by the pediatrician or doctor once or twice before and the doctor said it's fine you know just go home and if it gets worse and it got worse and, and then it was just too late but there were thousands of others that were sent home and it didn't get worse so it's it's not an easy time to be a physician in these days because of that uh, unknown period in any case um, any fever that doesn't go down within a reasonable amount of time it's not responding to the normal medications that bring fever down need attention right away, whether it's Shabbos or not. You need to go to a doctor because this person is not, something is going on there that's not responding to the usual. Doesn't mean that he's dying tomorrow, but it's something that we should be looking at carefully. Another thing is that it's a high fever right away. It's not like the person wasn't feeling well. And a matter of fact, a very strong sign of all these very sick patients was the quickness, the speed, or there's a better word for it, of how quickly things evolved. In other words, they clearly can define 10 o'clock he was feeling perfect, two hours later he was as sick as can be. He had high fever, he couldn't breathe, his color wasn't good. In other words, it happens very quickly, and that is a very strong sign. So if you see somebody that was fine and wasn't like a gradual sickness that I wasn't feeling well for the past two days and today I got worse. So it's, it's a quick high fever and feeling very sick and, and people can define it by the hour of exactly when it happened. That is most common with these very serious ones. Um, 
any illness that comes with shortness of breath, all of these end up in a pneumonia. So you have to look out for uh, shortness of breath is something that should not uh, come with a regular flu, and you should respond to it immediately. Um, bringing up a dark phlegm, which is a sign of a possible pneumonia, coming along with fever and shortness of breath is another sign. People look bad. Their skin color was... Um, the people that are with these people said the person didn't look right. As a matter of fact, when they walk into the doctor, the secretary called Hatzal and said, this person needs to go to the hospital right away. You can just see it. Um, chest pain, sudden dizziness, confusion, um, flu-like symptoms improve. It goes away, and then it quickly returns, which was also another sign. Otherwise, he didn't feel well. He got better, and then two days later, the flu returned. That's something to be that that's worrisome because the person's immune seems to be down, and now he's hit with another bout of the same of the same illness. I think that this point that you're bringing up right now about something that goes away and then quickly returns, I think this is really should be underlined here because it's an easy thing to just say. You know, it was better. He got a little worse. Uh, what do you mean? He should have gotten better. He was getting better. So I think that's an important one that you underline. Another few details. I just feel it's a good idea to mention. These are usually don't present as a stomach flu. A stomach flu is a misnomer because the flu doesn't is really, um, it infects the nose, the throat, and the chest, and it doesn't infect other parts, although the person feels sick in the whole body. The, the muscles hurt and they just feel very sick all over. Um, it's usually above 100, the, the temperature. It's not lower than that. Now, what's interesting is usually colds come first, and then the person gets a, a fever, especially in children. With this flu, the, the fever comes first, and then the other symptoms come. And also, they describe it as the cold not being the main symptom of the person's illness. In other words, he has a runny nose, he has uh, a cough, but that's not the main part that's going on. He's also sick with a bad fever. So that's it, the difference between that and a, and a general cold. Seven, uh, they write here that 75% of the victims can pinpoint the hour of the attack, which seems to be a very strong... Um, and also just look out for general weakness, headache, chills, widespread muscle aches, and that overshadows the, the local cold symptoms. In other words, it's a stronger stuff. Also, 90% uh, of the flu victims have a dry, hacking cough, which is another sign which usually tells you that they're having a, some, about 60% get um, sore eyes. And uh, adults usually don't get a flushed face when they have a cold, children do. And in, in the flu cases, the adults do. So I know it's a lot of information. And I don't think that everybody... The we, we need a booklet to give out for all this information, <laughs> really. Very important uh, points that we discussed tonight. Uh, I think, really, the main message that I hear through, throughout is take things seriously. Uh, there's a lot of signs and symptoms that we sort of are aware of and maybe wait a little too long on. I think that that's the main message that I'm getting here. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, heart attacks. We talked about strokes. We talked about many things that 
have signs and symptoms that maybe we might tend to wait a little too long. And instead of waiting long, let's take action. L one last thing you want to bring up. Okay. Is there a way for us to be more vigilant? That's our real question. Well, so the, the, the real truth is that um, taking a flu shot, I don't know how much it can still be done this year. I'm sure it won't be wasted. I mean, but there's, there's uh, misinformation about this that the flu can make you sick. This is a dead um, uh, immunization. It has, doesn't have a life to it, and it cannot, make, cannot give you the flu. You can get sick from the shot because some people are sensitive to a shot. No difference what the shot is, but the flu is not something it's not that live. You're, yeah, and you're not injecting something into the into you're the just, patient. You're just teaching your body how to recognize those type of cells when they come, even though these cells are dead. But they'll be able to recognize those type of cells. Um, there's a couple of. How much time do we have? We, we're good. We're good for we're a couple good. of minutes. <coughs> now, uh, just a couple of additional. Um, experiences within Hatsala or within my medical uh, life that I, I just want to try to tell people that those are the don'ts. Don't accept when someone tells you it's nothing until they can tell you what it is. In other words, ah, this is garnished. So then tell me why I'm having this. And that's a reasonable um, question to ask from anyone that tells you that Something unusual is nothing. And if they could tell you what it is, then it's reasonable that it's nothing. Uh, don't ever worry about being overcautious. I mean, you can't go crazy, but you have to be careful. And, and don't tell yourself, ah, I'm, you know, I'm being too careful. There's no such thing when it comes to uh, saving a life or being, uh, you know, dealing with uh, something that might be a real emergency. A smart doctor will not diagnose over the phone. It just doesn't make sense. So you call the doctor. He didn't ask you all the questions. He didn't see what you really look like. So it's really not usually a very good idea to call the doctor when you're possibly having a real um, emergency because he's not there. He or she is not there. Um, don't make any medical decisions based on your convenience. I have a chasna tonight. Uh, there's a simcha. I mean, it happens in the worst times. There are people by their own children's weddings, and they just delayed and didn't want to go to a doctor, whatever, and uh, the wedding turned into a tragic event. So it's it's it doesn't you know it doesn't always happen when you want it to happen. And just as a as a public announcement, I say this wherever I go. Um, especially to children. I don't know how many children are awake and listening now, but the adults need to know this as well. When somebody's having an emergency, the first thing that Hatzalah does in most of these cases that we discussed is they give the person oxygen. And the reason is because they want the person to need less oxygen and they give richer oxygen. The second thing they do is they calm the person down. For example, somebody's having a heart attack, he's not getting enough oxygen to his heart. When we give them oxygen, and we also calm them down, we lower our radios, we talk quietly to the person, we tell them, don't worry, you're going to be okay. That's not just because we want to make him feel good, it's because we want to lower his demand for oxygen. So just imagine, and you'll see why I'm saying this, imagine you're bringing a patient out of a house 
We don't let him walk because when he walks, his heart's going to need more oxygen. It's going to increase his heart attack. So as we carry him down, he's embarrassed. He or she is embarrassed that he's a, he or she is an adult that's being carried out on a chair out of the house. And the door opens to the street, and the entire block is out there watching this person being taken out of the house. If you would watch the person's heart rate on a monitor when they're being brought out of a house, the heart rate can go up from about 60 to 80 a minute to 150 or more. They get so embarrassed and frightened by the amount of people that are standing there that those people that are watching are literally increasing a person's heart attack. Think about it. When you stand around the Hatzalah call and there's somebody sick there and you're watching, you're making him uncomfortable and when he's uncomfortable, his heart rate goes up and that makes him sicker. So instead of helping the person, literally people are making the, the patient sicker. And it's wow, a, a scary wow, wow. thought. People don't realize. And then people think that, oh, I'm upstairs on a porch across the street, so no, the patient doesn't see me. Yeah. But when you're lying on a stretcher, all you see are the porches around the whole street. So when, when you see Hatzola call, move out of the way. Don't watch. And if you are watching, make sure you're far away that the person doesn't see you. Fantastic, fantastic. Mr. Rosenberg, really thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know our listeners got a lot of insights in why it's so important to take action in many of these cases and hopefully prevent or minimize the damage of a heart attack, of internal bleeding, of, of congestive heart failure, any of these multiple possibilities that could happen. Thank you so much. And I, I think we do need to get you back to do a show regarding emergencies with children. Would you do it? My pleasure. Okay, fantastic.